What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Everybody, welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. Ah, this is my part. I'm Ben. Good job, Ben. All right. Caught up right, right on schedule. And uh, hey, you know what? I was just thinking, um, we've talked a lot about Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, yeah. How many inventions that guy came up with and just unbelievable things, right? You Things you wouldn't think that somebody in the 1500s would be able to come up with, right? Oh, my God. Scott, I mean, we're talking helicopter. What? We can't do another da Vinci episode, man. No, no, no. We're talking about a different da Vinci here. The da Vinci of Detroit. You ever heard him called that? I have not heard him really? called the Da Vinci of Detroit, yeah, but I, I like that. And you know what? I think I read that somewhere. I'm pretty sure I have, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I thought it was kind of clever. So Another thing they throw around for this guy is yeah. the father of automotive design. Very good. Very good. So most people right now probably have a guess of who we're talking about, probably from the title of the episode. But uh, <laughs> we're talking about Harley J. Earl, who was the first uh, vice president of design at General Motors. And this comes to us from a listener suggestion. And uh, it's a listener that he writes in often, Boucher. Ah, yes. Remember Boucher? Yes. Yeah. You know what? Oh, one one quick side note here. What's that? Well, well, actually, let me. I'll read his email first here. But um, you know, this is the email that uh, Boucher wrote about uh, missing his Buick Roadmaster, and you know, talking about Buicks that he's owned in the past, Nailheads. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted a heroes podcast on people like Harley Earl, Red Nichols, uh, people that changed the American auto scene. And I thought it was a great idea. We told him, yeah, yeah we'd do it. We're doing it right now, but um, I saw some videos online of Boucher doing some uh, uh, some burnouts, and I, I think it was Sturgis. Really? Yeah, he yeah, sent a link awesome. along. Yeah. He sent a link along with some of this stuff. It was pretty cool. It was neat to see him on his bike and uh, kind of doing his thing. It was a lot of fun. So, thanks for passing that stuff along. We we like watching that. And Boucher, obviously, we thought you had a great idea. And when it comes to automobiles, especially automobile design. There's a good question here, Scott. Is there a better example of heroism than Harley J. Earl? I'm not sure if there is. I don't know. Um, I think this guy is one of those guys that, you know, whether you know it or not, he he has changed the American auto scene or the the worldwide auto scene Mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. I mean, the stuff that he came up with, it, it can't it can't be reinvented at this point. Yeah. Um, it, it often is. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like the, the stuff is just, it, it's 
common use now and and you don't have any idea that it's there but it was his design or his thought or his uh his bringing it forth that, that made it happen and uh you know or he or he approved the uh the direction of it you know yes something like that but um you know you'd, you'd be surprised at how many of these advances um you know whether they're decorative whether they're functional whether mm-hmm. you know what, what they whatever they happen to be performance um even conceptual yeah even conceptual these uh these are all um Harley Earl designs, and I guess we could just kind of go through what the man did from the very beginning right to the to the end, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Well, let's give these folks a little bit of bang for their buck, Scott. Let's start just a bit before the beginning, and let's talk about before the beginning. Let's talk about cars, okay, bro, bro, yeah, sir. Sure. All right, so uh, <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about cars, dude. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Um, once upon a time, mm-hmm. after the invention of cars, uh, the industry was very, 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 very different. Uh, actually, add about nine more varies That's on there. That's very different. Yeah. 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 Um, and one of the biggest differences is probably summed up in Henry Ford's famous quote when someone said, hey, what color do model – was it Model T's or Model A's? Model T. Model T's, right. So what color uh, could I get a Model T in? And his famous reply, of course, was, uh, you can have it in any color you would like, so long as it is black. Mm-hmm. I am paraphrasing, so – Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And um, really, that that sort of encapsulates a mentality in automobile manufacturers at the time and note listeners that we're not saying automobile designers yet. No. And the idea here was that we're living in a world with so many innovations in such a short span of time. You've got assembly lines, you've got um you've got marketing, you've got uh the kind the stage of innovation where you have a working prototype and you bring it down so that it costs uh a reasonable amount to manufacture. Exactly. So we have cars everywhere. And if Henry Ford gets his way, they all look the same. Exactly the same. Because that's the easiest way to produce them, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that makes sense, right? Right. That makes perfect sense. But where's the style? That's yeah. the problem. See, yeah. there was no style at the point. And you may think that, you know, the, the Model Ts, they have great style. But the, the truth is that those were built out of carriages originally, mm-hmm. you know, horse-drawn carriages. You can see the shape of a horse-drawn carriage within the Model T easily. Um, the, the shape of, you know, the, the hood, the fenders, every, the, the, everything is, um, it's, it's very functional, very, uh, you know, the, the, how, how do I want to say this, Ben? Am I going to get it backwards? I'm going to say the form fits the function. Uh, the, um, the form follows the function. That's right. Yeah. And there was no style involved with it. It didn't, had nothing to do with the way the car looked, had nothing to do with the way the car, um, appeared in the outside. People didn't care if you had a, uh, a car that looked sleek and fast. They just cared that you had a car. Because which was amazing. A, a horseless carriage, yeah. yeah. So, which was incredible that you had a car. Mm-hmm. And if you look at cars from the past, you know, it, prior to, I'm going to say, uh, well, just 1927, yeah. take for instance, prior to 1927, um, really it was strictly all about function and the form that followed that function. Mm-hmm. So, and, go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, I, I don't want to steal your No, 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 just, please do. I think it's really uh, cool that you've pointed out how People looking back at a Model T now would say, oh, what style Henry Ford had. Uh, because in a very literal way, Harley Earl is the reason that you probably thought a Model T had style. Because, well, 
Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. I don't. I don't want to spoil it. All right. Well, let's. Uh, Harley. Er- you know who Harley Earl was, of course. He was born in. He's born way before the automobile. He's born in 1893. Mm-hmm. His dad was a. Uh, you know, a carriage builder. Um, so he had experience with. Uh, he he and his son had experience with coach building for horse horses carriages. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, horse drawn carriages. Horse drawn. Horse drawn carriages at that point. However. In around 1908, his father founded something called Earl Automobile Works. And this is right at the, the dawn of automobiles, right at the very early part of it, right? Mm-hmm. So Earl, who was going to Stanford, Harley, who was going to, um, Stanford University at the time, uh, left to work for his father in this automobile works. Yes. Now this is like a shop, a, uh, you know, a, um, Carriage building shop and, you know, they do maintenance and that type of thing. It's not really a manufacturing company. Right. It's by no means a large factory. No, 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 no. So he's, uh, he's working on, um, he's working on cars of the day, the, the early, early cars of the day. And he's already starting to bring a little bit of his, uh, his flair to the, the, mm-hmm. the, the trade, I guess. Um, even when they were coach builders, when they were horse drawn coach builders, I guess when Harley was really young, he would use model clay. To build what coat, what he thought coaches and cars should look like, but not what they do look like. So if you could find one of those old clay models, can you imagine, imagine what that would be worth? But, um, I mean, this is, this is just kind of the background to, to what led to all this, right? Mm-hmm. So it was right around that time when Earl Automobile Works was purchased by a Cadillac dealer. Mm-hmm. And through that, um, Earl was able to meet the, the president of the, at the time of General Motors. And that was Alfred P. Sloan, who lived in New York at the time. He, he worked out of New York, didn't, wasn't in Detroit. Um, but, uh, and he said that he was going to put, and he was impressed with Earl, you know, impressed with his designs and what he'd been doing on paper and what he'd been doing for customers because they had been building custom body for, custom bodies for, um, the stars of the day. A yeah, lot of, a lot of movie stars, even like Fatty Arbuckle, Al Johnson. Yeah, yeah, there were a few of them, and yeah. I saw some of the bodies. They look, you know, unique, different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to remember at this time, like if you bought a Cadillac or something like that, you would buy it from the factory with whatever coach work was equipped with it, and then you take it to a coach builder like Earl Auto Works and mm-hmm. have them custom got custom coach build it for you. So uh, that was what they were doing, and this is this is how um, Alfred Alfred Fisher. Or I'm sorry, Alfred Sloan um, came in contact with Earl, and he liked so much what he was doing that now. Now remember, Earl is just 33 years old at this point, right? This is yeah. 1927. Um, he let he let Earl design uh, a new mark for them, the LaSalle body, which mm-hmm. was a kind of a co-mark for uh, the Cadillac at the time. And if you look at the 1927 LaSalle, that was designed by um, by Harley Earl. And this was the first time that anybody had really taken the time and effort to style a car strictly for, uh, the way, you know, just for the way it looked, the way it, it, so it's pleasing to the eye. The aesthetic. The aesthetic. And this, yeah. And Scott, when you're saying that, let's go ahead and underline that in people's heads because he made the first, what we would consider a design department today. I think he called it Art and color. Oh, that was uh, GM. Yeah, that's that a GM. GM. That's yeah. a GM. But yeah, he is he's the one who started this entire mm-hmm. design process. You know, when you hear that, you know, um, companies have art and design groups or they have, um, you know, graphic design departments or, yeah. you know, whatever the design department is called at a corporation. Mm-hmm. This is the very start of it. it. It was never around prior to this. It was only the engineers who designed a covering for the engine area, mm-hmm. um, a, a covering for the wheel, which was the, uh, you know, the, the fender skirts. Now, before we get to the LaSalle, let's point out that people were not all 
universally receptive to this idea. Oh, no. As a matter of fact, uh, they did everything but call him stupid, almost. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they said it when he wasn't around, but we need to make clear that people were – a lot of people were not betting their money mm-hmm. on – Earl's big idea, Earl's big vision. At least that is until the LaSalle came out. Yeah, until the LaSalle came out. And then, and then that car apparently just sold like hotcakes. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was uh one that, you know, everybody wanted to get a glimpse of this thing. It was just yep. remarkable styling for its day. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the 27 LaSalle, it looks beautiful, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, many, many cars have that similar look from that similar era. Yes. And that's all because of Harley Earl. Mm-hmm. Everything prior to that point had, um, more of a uh, functional form-fitting type uh, type of covering, you know, just a sheet metal covering with rivets, and mm-hmm. um, it was just a real simple time for design prior to that. Yeah, and we so the people who were doubting Thomas's mm-hmm. uh, had to eat a little bit of humble pie, yeah, right? Sure. Um, but the story doesn't end there because these people, and by people I mean uh, consumers as well as manufacturers, especially manufacturers actually, they noticed when these celebrities started buying uh, LaSalle's like hotcakes, mm-hmm. um, and they noticed when more and more customers were responding with just unprecedented enthusiasm that they saw, they smartened up a bit mm-hmm. and said, hey, this is actually a great idea. And I think as we're about to see, uh, that was only the beginning. Yeah, that's right. Mr. Because, Earl. because in 1937, that's when they, that's when they officially renamed, uh, the art and color division, um, they renamed it the styling division of General Motors. Yes. So this is like about 10 years later. And I mm-hmm. think they took a lot of flack internally about that. You know, mm-hmm. that he was in the, uh, the, the picture boys or the pretty picture boys or something like that. You know, I heard, <laughs> right. I read a lot about that, that, you know, he took a lot of, uh, a lot yeah. of guff from the guys in, in, inside GM about it, um, early on. They mocked him. Yeah. They did, but, um, he was driving sales. I mean, mm-hmm. he's unbelievable, uh, successful designs, you know, so, um, there's a lot to come out of that division. Um, and these are just, I'm going to go through a few of these real quick, Ben. Yeah, let's do a list. But, uh, you know what? They call him the Da Vinci of Detroit for a reason. He, he designed and invented a lot of different, uh, aspects of cars that you probably find familiar at this mm-hmm. point. Um, one thing that he, maybe, I don't know, maybe the most remarkable, can you really even say that about the guy? Mm-hmm. The most remarkable thing, but maybe it's not. It's tough. I'll hear you out. The 1938 Buick Y job was the first ever concept car. Prior yes. to that, no concept cars. There was nothing out there that was designed just strictly to get the public's opinion mm-hmm. on a vehicle, you know, without any, any basis, you know, saying we're going to definitely produce this. Otherwise it was, here's our new model line, take it or leave it. And Scott, concept cars are kind of, a, to say the least, an out of the box idea. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they are. They really are. I mean, at, the, at to say the least, you're right. I mean, those are, those are, that's all they are really mm-hmm. is to completely think out of the box and, and completely say, um, you know, here's what we're thinking about in the future. What do you think? Yeah. But the, you know? the logic there is unassailable because if it comes down to an issue of money, you know, if people want to buy a car, they're more likely to buy your car if you can show them an actual vehicle and not a drawing. True. True, you know. or features of the vehicle that you could expect to see in um, ah, yes. in the future. So, um, anyways, that that car, the Y job, which was the the very first. Now, if you look at the thirty eight Buick, mm-hmm. the the Y job, you'd you'd notice that well, it looks a lot like the cars of the day, right? Okay, well, <laughs> right. 
Not necessarily. It looks like cars about 10 years later. And I read one little funny story about this that um, I think it was a press reporter, a uh, newsline reporter. He saw one of these, and this was, now this is a 1938 model that they brought out, right? Mm-hmm. This guy apparently hadn't seen the car ever. This young guy, it was a younger press person, uh, spotted the car in 1949. So this is 11 years later. Yeah. Reported it as being the 1949 new Buick. Wow. That's how advanced this car was. So, uh, the 38 Buick looked like the 49 era of cars for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, when you look back at it, it looks like an older car, of course, but mm-hmm. then when you realize what was around in 1938 and what this car looked like, it's really remarkable, but yeah. a lot of cool features to it. Um, he actually developed tail fins. Yes. Tail fins were one of his designs. Um, came from, of course, aircraft. That was his, uh, inspiration, I guess. He, he mm-hmm. borrowed designs all the time. And uh, apparently made no bones about it that you know if I like it I'm going to include it in my design. Hey, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to you know change it, make mm-hmm. it my own, but I like it. Uh, I think it was Picasso who said that great artists steal. Oh sure. Oh, and I've got to tell you there is in the span of this man's astonishing career he did one thing. Uh, he had one innovation with which I disagree or take What's, issue. What's that? Uh, he got rid of running boards, Scott. Uh, yes, he did. He got rid of running boards. And that's, that's the, that's the only thing. I just want to, I want to put that out there. I know it's purely mm-hmm. my preference. No, I, you know what? I like running boards as well. Do they have a place on modern cars? No, not really, but. No, I, they don't. But they do look cool. They do. They, they do look, look cool. cool. Yeah, but, you know, this is a time of advancement, time moving on. And then he just happened to be there at the right time. Let's do. You want to go through some of them? Yeah. Well, I have a couple more cars, and then we'll uh, and then and then we'll yeah, get into just a list of first. list of yeah. things because there's some remarkable ones here. Mm-hmm. All right. This is uh, this is long after the uh, the Buick Y job, but um, in 1951, you know this car I'm going to talk about, the Buick LeSabre. Ah. Oh my gosh! This was Harley's personal vehicle. Now he drove the the Y job as a dra- daily driver after that. Now can you imagine driving around in a concept car for? I don't know, what is it, 12 years? A future car, basically? <laughs> yeah, a future car. Um, he then designed and built this uh, 1951 Buick LeSabre, which is just an awesome-looking car. I mean, it still makes the uh, the Concours Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, it was his car. There's only one. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful car. I think it's I think it's at the GM Heritage Center now, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you an idea of what this thing involved, I mean, it had heated seats, which were 30 years earlier than any other heated seats in the industry. Um, it had rain, a rain sensitive top then that if a drop of rain hit a, uh, a grid that, uh, was sensitive to rain, it would close the hard top. I'm sorry, close the soft top. There was yeah, a soft it was top. a soft top. Yeah, soft top. But, uh, so that's, I mean, just take a look at the Bugle Sabre from 51 and you'll, you'll get an idea of, uh, just how cool this thing was. Another thing that he was the, uh, the proud father of? Corvette. Yes, uh, the, Oh, wait, I'm sorry, Corvette. Yeah, Corvette. He was influenced by English and European sports cars of the day. He went to a race, I guess. I think it was Watkins Glen. And uh, was just he, he was in his LeSabre, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and um, I think he was just blown away by the way the people were uh, were so gung-ho about the, the make and mark of their car. And, you know, just mm-hmm. um, you know, the MGs of the day and the Austin Healys. And um, he was just excited by the, the well, their excitement, really. And uh, wanted to start something. They called it Project Opal. And uh, that be- later became the 1953 Corvette, which, of course, Bill Mitchell was involved in. We mm-hmm. talked about that in it. the past as well. So, I mean, there's a, there's a ton. Of, he, re- he eventually retired in 1958, 
Um, and but all of the 1959 models, I believe, Ooh. were his cars as well, uh, including the 1960. This is what gave me a pause for a second. Hmm. I heard you say Core. I thought you were about to talk about the Chevrolet Corvair. Oh, which uh, they started in '57. Mm-hmm. So he's a year away from retirement. Sure, like, like all those poor cops in action movies. Yeah, that's you right. know, and uh, he uh, they they start working on that. So even the 1960 model, at least of that vehicle. Still has his his direct touch. Mm-hmm. I think. I hope listeners. I hope you guys are getting the idea. Um, Scott and I are basically saying most modern automobiles, if not all, maybe all, bear some mark of this man's. Yeah, mind. and we're going to get to that in just a moment here mm-hmm. because uh, there's a a list here. I'm going to I'm going to quickly, and I do mean quickly, read through this this list, and you're going to listen to it um, <laughs> and like it. <laughs> but I, I didn't mean it that way. I just meant you're going to listen to it and uh, um, hear some of these things. And you're, you're not going to believe that they came from him so long ago because they one, seem new. One person. You one, guys. one person. That's right. And then I got a little caveat at the end there that uh, that I want to share with you that you know may even raise your eyebrows further. Okay. So look forward to that. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's so, go micro machine. So you ready? Yeah. All right. Clay modeling was his. Okay. That no, never used before that. Wrap around windshields. Two-tone paint. No one had ever used two-tone paint prior to Harley Earl. Unbelievable. Tail fins, we mentioned. Heated seats. Turn signals. Turn signals? Come on. Crash test dummies? Those were his. He invented crash test dummies. Believe it or not. I didn't, I really hadn't thought about that. <laughs> um, let's see. Removable running boards. You mentioned that. Streamline fender and headlamps. That was big because remember before that they were like the carriage lamps on the front. Yes. Huge difference there. Built-in trunks. Cars didn't have built-in trunks. They used, uh, Big cargo things strapped to the back with leather straps. Yeah, Yeah. tie them on. Uh, The hidden spare tire. That was all new because they were on the fenders at all times. I mean, even on the – I think on the LaSalle they were on the fenders. Mm -hmm. Um, Lowered chassis and center of gravity. One thing I want to mention here is his model was longer, lower, wider. And (laughs) longer, lower, wider, if you look at the shape of automobiles from the time that he developed automobiles till the time he retired, they were longer, lower, and wider. And that was all him. Um, And that's still to this day – you know, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, curved rear windows. Before that, they're all flat, gra- flat glass. Wrap around windshields. Same thing. Flat glass in the front. If you look back at the Model T's, Model A's, that type of vehicle. Yeah. Electric windows, heated seats, keyless entry, hideaway power convertible top. That was his. Uh, concealed filler caps. Before that, they were just caps on the outside of the body. You know, add-on type stuff. Mm-hmm. Double tail lights. Those are his. Front and rear style built-in parking and turn signals. Mentioned that already. Yeah. Steering wheel horn. That's brand new. You used to have to reach out and honk the uh, the rubber bulb. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's I mean, it's like a joke, but steering wheel horn is his. The yeah, electric it's horn. Gift and a curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, grouped instrument in front of the driver for better visibility. It doesn't stretch out across the whole. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whole hood Down into the shotgun. The dash. Seat. Yeah. Uh, wiper body, or I'm sorry, wider body design, mm-hmm. torpedo style body design, and two tone paint jobs. And that torpedo style, mm-hmm. I believe the Daytona 500 Trophy still has the Firebird three. Um, concept car on top. Yes, that is the torpedo style body design, and you can see a little bit of that in his Lesabre. Are you middle. talking about the Harley Earl Trophy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I guess it would. It, be, is, named, it. it is named that. Yeah, thing. interesting. Okay, uh, streamline body, mm-hmm. a coupe body. Okay, streamline door handles for safety. Okay, those were out on the side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you radio? No, I did not. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. He also built. He also put in a built-in radio. So oh. thank you, Mr. Earl. Cool. Very cool. And the radio antenna, the telescoping radio antenna. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which is also yeah. his. Uh, dashboard design is his because before it was just very, very functional. 
uh, needle-type speedometer. Never done before that. Um, interior sun visors, Ben. Remember before that they had those giant sun visors that were on the outside of the car? It looked like a, <laughs> looked like a ball cap. Yeah, it looked like a bill from a ball cap. It did. It looked like a, a car was wearing a ball cap. That's what, uh, that's what it reminds me of. Uh, mentioned crash test dummies. Annual style changes, which meant, um, you know, they didn't just say, here's our line of cars for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now you can always get the newest um, one. And this is a big one. Well, okay, concept cars, we mentioned that in the Motorama shows. Yeah. Interchangeable bodies across all GM divisions. Now that's a huge one because that saved them millions of dollars being if able not to billions. It, no. Well, yeah, I mean it's got to be. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if you can calculate that really because <laughs> uh, that that idea every automaker uses that now where mm-hmm. they can interchange bodies with chassis and and you know it just it it wasn't strict. This car, this engine, this chassis is all one. This car, this engine, this chassis is all another. It's um it, it's now interchangeable and that's all because of him. Yeah, it's a so, mo- modular manufacturing. Uh, oh, and one other thing I want to mention real quick. Yeah. He was a huge women's rights av- advocate in the, uh, in the workplace, in the auto industry. And he hired in this design group, um, women. He knew that they had a, a flair for something like this. He knew that they, they had taste. They had, uh, sensibility for things like this. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was early to recognize that they could definitely help out in the styling area of the car, interior, exterior. Color choices, the layout, everything. So, um, I don't know, good work. I got to ask you, Scott. Oh. One thing. Do you think that he can see in the future? <laughs> Do you think he's clairvoyant in some way? He's, uh, <sighs> no. Because, no. No, 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 no. Well, I just, also, he did, he, he did envision small cars and he yeah, was laughed out of the room. That's true. He did. You know, after all these, these longer, lower, wider cars, mm-hmm. He did have the vision for smaller cars as well. You're right. He said the future is smaller, more efficient compact or smaller, more efficient cars. You know what? The guy he just analyzed the he just he just knew what was going on in the auto industry. That's all. He just he was just one of those guys that happened to know what he's doing that that could get it all out while he was there, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're grateful for it. I mean, really. And you know what? There's one more thing that I want to mention yes. that that little caveat that I said that yes, that, well. I guess he uh, he passed away in 1969. Harley Earl did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a stroke. I think he lived in Florida at the time. His wife lived until about 1989, I believe. So another 20 years after that. And uh, there was a guy that did taxes for them, you know, paperwork, that type of thing. You know, his the the Earl estate. And Earl had given him some paperwork as part of the estate early on that uh, the guy had gone through and found some stuff. And there was an, an another list of additional features that this guy had come up with throughout his time in the auto industry that was sort of unknown, but, you know, some of them were, some of them weren't, um, but they're attributed to him and his group. And there were, I think there was like another 43 styling advances that wow. he he had directly developed or, or indirectly developed uh, through G- General Motors and, mm-hmm. um, or his own company because he formed his own company at a certain point. Um but, uh, yeah, so the, he's responsible for far more than we're even mentioning here. And that's within just that, that short span of time that he worked at General Motors. I want to put in one more thing. Now, listen, Scott, I'm not saying that this guy had some sort of psychic power. Seems like it. He, sometimes people just have a picture of the whole horizon when they look in a direction, mm-hmm. you know, and they see forests instead of trees. And he really is that guy because he also, um, he also said that there's been some um he, excuse me I'm trying to find a diplomatic way to say this Scott he he also 
some people would say predicted the future financial difficulties of some large manufacturers due to the the way their timing was structured mm-hmm. as far as responding to what a customer wants you know as far as refusing to budge from established traditions so know? he was he was about quick changes and uh being able to adapt mm-hmm. and uh yeah. yeah i agree i think that you know part of that was the interchangeable body thing that he had had come up with uh that helped them considerably i'm sure that's that sped up time uh between prototype and production as well as did the the clay modeling you know which uh you know before that they would have to build a full model out mm-hmm. of uh you know metal or even wood they were using wood at that point i think um and it just wasn't as soft he 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 uh he did full scale models instead of instead of you know the small scale models um it was just he he seemed to have this uh this this ability to be I'm not even say one. He was five steps ahead of everybody else. That's yeah. That's, he really was, or ten steps ahead of everybody else. He was a remarkable, remarkable man. And honestly, I, I feel like you know we, we've said a lot of what he's what he's done, yeah. who he was, the the vehicles, and everything. We're we're scratching the surface of this guy, yeah. as as you always do when you try to try mm-hmm. to sum up somebody's life or or somebody's career mm-hmm. in in twenty minutes or whatever we're doing here. Um, but uh, really, if you if you read deeper into the Harley J. Earl story, I think you're going to find that he's just he's absolutely fascinating. Everything about the guy, really cool. And if you're okay with it, Scott, I kind of want him to have the last word. Sure. Okay. So this is from a uh, <clears throat> this is from something he wrote in 1938. I'm not going to do a voice because I respect the man. Very good. Okay. Mention the word art to a room full of people, and most of them will think of a great painting. Some will think of sculpture or architecture, a few of music or literature, but hardly anyone will think of industry. Except, of course, the implication, Harley J. Earl. Yep, very well said. And I guess is there. I think we should probably wrap it up then. If we yeah, got him, yeah. I think that's it. I mean, like I said, just dig a little deeper because uh, there's there's a lot more out there about him, and I think you'll find it fascinating. And Buche, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't know if we're telling Buche anything new because he knows all about this guy already. But uh, yeah, but you know, does. props to him for wanting everybody else to learn about it because uh, he's a fascinating guy. Buche and Harley Jarrell. Oh, nice one, yeah. Scott. You're welcome. You guys see what a nice guy Scott is? If you want to uh, hit us up. Feel free to do so. We are friendly people. We don't bite. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. We've got a blog. We work for a website. I mean, we're pretty easy to find. Probably the fastest way to get in touch with us is to send us an email at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.